speaking to those who need. And tonight is a speaker's meeting, and I'd like to invite Brian to share his story. And so 
It was in the days where you did as you were told too. There was none of this, you know, sit down and talk like they do these days. It was just hellish. And um, the class seemed big and they had those lovely, what I think now are lovely wooden desks with a hole to put your ink and I can still smell it actually. And um, it was just an awful battle. And sometimes mum would go home and so would I. <laughs> and I'd arrive back at home, the heart pounding. Oh God, I used to feel dreadful knowing mum would tell me off. And she'd turn around and say, what are you doing here? And I said, go back to school. No, and I wasn't going back to school. And then I'd have to go back to school. She'd take me or in the end I'd have to walk myself. And um, so I got back, you know, I sat down and felt so different. You know, I was the only kid that had run away from school. And, um, and that whole feeling of being, you know, different and out of place. And, and not having a clue what it was about. It just felt like it was huge. And, um, you know, I didn't make friends easily. Uh, I think I was probably pretty bossy at times and not particularly nice um, to other students, you know, other pupils, because, um, you know, what else was there to be, really? And that feeling of indifference, feeling different, just just got, you know, the more I ate, the more I felt different. And um, the more I lived in this absolute world of um, magnified um, imagination and totally believed that the world was doing me wrong. And so I just kept on eating. And I kept on thinking of, trillions of reasons why, you know, I was the way I was. And, um, and you know, things did happen. And I looked at other kids and I thought, my God, they get over it. They, can, they talk to the nuns and I was terrified. They talked to their parents, whatever. I could not do any of that. I was, um, you know, a bit of a loner, really. Even though, you know, when you we knew all the families and we knew everyone in our street and, and at times, you know, I probably appeared quite normal and, but I did not feel like that at all. And the eating got worse and the magnified imagination got worse. And um, um, just this week I was reading a, a spiritual magazine and it had a quote from uh, Mark Twain and he said, I'm a very old man now, and I've suffered great misfortunes, most of which didn't happen. <laughs> I thought, good old Mark Twain, <laughs> maybe he was one of us. <laughs> but that's what it was like. Um, you know, it was always feeling sorry for me, and, um, you know, and one day it was going to be different, you know. One, you know, New Year's Day it was going to be different, and, um, and, you know, one, one Sunday especially, because I used to have a great pig out on Saturday night. And, um, and that never happened. And nor did any of the, um, you know, the um, head stuff work, the psychologists and the psychodrama and stuff like that. It just didn't go anywhere. Until, um, 
you know, about two years before I came in here, um, it's, I think a spiritual experience happened that I realised that it was no point dieting anymore. I had done every diet. I think Jenny Craig was coming in, but I knew that that was that. I could, it was pointless. And I couldn't go to any more um, shrinks, you know, psychologists or psychiatrists people or whatever. Um, I just knew that it was over. I could not control what I was doing. I was powerless. I wouldn't have known that word, but that's basically what it was. And so I stopped trying and um, I just sort of gave up really. I was 80 something k's in weight. I couldn't fit into my uniform at work. Um, I was buying chocolate at the dairy that was closest to work because no one else was open before 7 o'clock back then. And I just kept on eating. And um, that was part of, I think, heading to coming into these meetings. Um, because a wee while after that, um, you know, I met up with Sally, who I'd gone to. A, a, a child with alcoholic uh, meetings and um, that night I came to a meeting and um, and that was a, that was spiritual because my fear was through the roof and to, to walk up those stairs because it was that Monday meeting and the stairs to go through it and get into that big room with all the old sofas and mice and you know lots seemed like lots of people it was pretty amazing actually to get in there and sit down I don't think I spoke to anyone um, probably not but um, for once I was able to identify with what people had to say I couldn't believe it I could not believe what people were saying not just about the food because I don't think it was about the food or the weight it was about the fact that I felt totally isolated from everything and everyone. I felt completely different, full of fear, and my life had gone nowhere at 37. And so um, people mentioned these things, people shared about it, and a number of people said they were 37 when they came in too. So I thought, oh, that's great. Maybe there's something about 37. But um, I listened to what they say, what they said, and um, and how they read, what they read out from, you know, the literature. And they just seemed amazing, those people. They just seemed absolutely amazing. They were laughing and talking and joking about their eating histories. And, um, and some shared about not going to you know, psychologists anymore, that they didn't need to go there. Um, so, you know, I, I was able to know that that's, this was where I was meant to be, but, um, you know, and I stayed, and I knew that I had to stay, I couldn't walk out like I had with everything else. Uh, this was it. Um, so, you know, I kept coming back, and I went to a lot of meetings, um, because I heard, you know, what people had to say and what they read. 
and um, you know, where they read things like I could totally relate to uh, that bit in the 12 and 12 where they said that the psychologist thought we were grandiose, emotionally immature and oversensitive. And I thought I was a very sensitive person, very sensitive. But when they said actually were oversensitive, I was able to relate to that, that I wasn't sensitive. I wasn't so sensitive at all to other people. I would like to have been. But my oversensitiveness was about me, nothing else. And so, um, you know, I realised that, that that's what it was about, what it was all, you know, what it was. And, um, you know, I started looking at the steps. I do believe that step one, two and three um, go together for me because one sounded like I just needed to be on another diet. And two and three said no, hand it over to a higher, have a higher power and hand it over to a higher power. Because <coughs> I could not control my eating. I could not and I knew I couldn't. And so instead of getting into a whole lot of fear every time I got hungry, I was able to learn to hand it over, let go and let go. And that was a huge, a huge moment for me to hand my food over to a power greater um, than myself, that it didn't have to be my business anymore. And, um, you know, it took a lot of doing. It was on a minute-to-minute -minute basis sometimes, especially between finishing work and getting home for tea. Um, but, you know, it started working. And eventually, um, after doing carrying on with the steps and let go and let God, um, the obsession for, for food left. And I don't know when that happened, I just remember waking up one day and thinking, I don't have the obsession to eat anymore. And um, I mean, that would be a total miracle. And then another day after carrying on with the steps, I realised I didn't have that gut-wrenching fear anymore. There was still some fear there, and it is kind of today, but it was nothing like that dreadful um, feeling like my stomach was in knots. And so, you know, these were the miracles that um, I had where I thought, well, wow, this actually works. And it's not perfect, you know, two years ago, two years ago next month, um, Two years ago, um, you know, I got really sick and um, and I got sick during the night and I had I spent all night um, incredibly unwell. And by the morning, I was terminally ill, <laughs> according to me. <laughs> I was dying. I mean, I'm a nurse. You don't get terminally ill by being acutely sick. But anyway, that had gone in, common sense had gone out the window. And I was thinking of which funeral director to use. <laughs> and so I was as crazy as a coop. Fear, goodness, and I thought, how can I feel this, like this again? And, um, you know, the next day I rang my sponsor and she said, oh, well, you know, if it doesn't pass straight away, it might pay to go to the doctor. And I thought, she's saying pass, pass. I think I'm dying, <laughs> and um, 
And, you know, I never died. <laughs> I was, you know, I continued, the fear went, and common sense came back in, and um, I was sick for quite a long time. And I did go to the doctor, and I had to have tests and things, and it moved on. And so that shocked me a bit, that fear can come back, but, you know, it's a daily reprieve for, you know, everything. And um, for all my character defects, my resentments, um, my oversensitiveness, uh, my, self, my selfishness, self-centered fear, you know, they're just some of my character defects. And, um, you know, I'm not cured. I used to hear people, hear people say, we don't graduate, we don't get a degree and that's it. Um, you know, I, when I was uh, working in the detox unit, which I did, um, you know, I used to hear these pri about these private um, detox units and private um, treatment places. And um, how people came out, you know, much better than when they went in. And I somehow knew that that wasn't ever going to be, that you don't actually get over this, this problem. It gets better. And, and today, you know, it's been a normal kind of day. And, um, and that's lovely. I talked to a friend in London She's in, she's having to work from home anyway and lives on her own and now they're completely in lockdown so she's not doing that well really. And it was nice just to have a chat. It didn't, you know, it wasn't a, such a big thing for me as it was her because, you know, she's just completely alone day after day and they can't go far at all. So, um, you know, that was lovely really. And I uh, had a talk with someone who worked for the last day yesterday where we used to work. So she's now retired and we, you know, compared notes and had a, a good laugh. And I know what she's going through. She'd be feeling so relieved. As I was when I retired recently. And um, you know, and that was probably one of the biggest things I've, you know, had I've has happened. Um since coming in here because my fear of economic insecurity got bigger and bigger and bigger and I thought there's no way I can live on a pension and I'm going to be broke by the time I'm whatever and um, after a wee while that passed too and it made it so much easier just to retire and now life's gone on and it wasn't a big deal you know I thought it would be so, uh, yeah, it works if you work at it. Um, you know, the six or seven meetings a week for two years, the first two years, you know, was just great. It really helped me to, to know, you know, what I am and, um, and that things get better.